This is the Total Football Podcast. I am Declan Hart. And I'm Andrew Conway. Let's get on with the show. This fellow Ronaldo is a cod. Arsene Wenger's been in Japan for a year. He doesn't know anything about English football. I have nothing to say. I'm so sorry, I have nothing to say. It's the history of the Tottenham. But this action is really incredible, incredible. If you don't know the answer to that question, then I think you're, you, you, are, you are an ostrich. So Andrew, how does it feel to be back? Are we ready to go again for another long season? It felt like we never left at all, to be quite honest. I know we were gone for a few weeks, but uh, yeah, the, the, the Barclays has come back with a vengeance in the last few days. Well, maybe not the Barclays, but football has come back with a vengeance in the last few days, and now it's all up on top of us again. Do you think we'll get a single normal day at Barclays this season? Probably come, come Friday. I think it's starting on a Friday, which is already weird. Uh, so maybe that's defined already as not a normal day at Barclays. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't. I think the first few weeks of the season will probably not lend us to the to the overall. It won't put us in a trajectory to predict the rest of the season. I think the first few weeks are kind of weird. It's not quite as weird as last season where there was no preseason and kind of the first weeks of the season were preseason. But this season, I think there's going to be a lot of hangover from the tournaments. I think a lot of players are going to be still wrecked over the from the last year of football. I think there's still a lot of upheaval going on throughout the league. If you look at the the signings in and out and uh, I think it'll take a while for the dust to settle and, and really for us to get back into some rhythm probably by the time the Champions League comes back around we'll have a better idea of the year but now it's going to feel very um, you know football 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 every day uh, it's just going to feel like you're just getting overwhelmed by it before it gets into a nice rhythm yeah because last season it, first of all it's very hard to compare last season to anything because it was such mm. a freak with all the empty stadiums and as you said the lack of preseason. but you know last year had uh, the the season started off extremely chaotic and it felt like anything was going to happen we had no idea who was even going to win the league um it was all over the place we saw all sorts of um dramatic endings to games and bizarre moments i, I don't think we'll quite get that this year uh, but I do think it will be a bit weird like I, I think we'll see some surprising results like the for example we could see you know Man City lose a couple of games early or, or Liverpool mm. or one of the big clubs will lose um, some some games early in the season um, I could see that happening I could see you know a promoted side starting like a house on fire or, or a side that did poorly last year like maybe Brighton could just race to 12 points from 12 or something like that um, just because everyone's in such a weird place at the moment, as you said, because there's, yeah. you know, there wasn't just a Euros, there was a Copa America, there was an Olympics on, um, you know, there was, I saw a tweet there the other day that was like, um, you know, we're, the the new season has started with the championship and, and Ligue 1 is back and, and the Bundesliga mm-hmm. is back, but also there's players that still haven't finished last season because uh, there was Pedri and Richarlison playing in the, uh, the Olympics gold medal match. Um, so... For for some teams like like Everton, um, you know they'll be missing one of their most important players for presumably the next month or so. Um, a few few other players still aren't back. Um, e- either um, Marcus Rashford is is out. He's going to have a surgery on his shoulder. At long so last, main either, main either, yeah, at long last, uh, main either missing him. Um, you know Harry Kane was still in Florida <laughs> only a few days ago. Uh, Supposedly and is refusing to train. Uh, it seems allegedly. So, 
allegedly. I'm not sure he'd quite sue us if we if we did say allegedly, but uh, you know, there's there's chaos going on there, I suppose as well. And he 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 definitely won't be there in, in the first game of the season anyway. Um, so there's still players all coming back at different schedules as well. Um, so it's gonna like I think you're right. It's gonna be when the Champions League starts going again is when we'll really get into the rhythm of things. Um, which means the first few weeks is going to be weird as well because some of the players are going to be used to playing pretty much every three or four days and instead they'll have to wait a week to get another game. So that's going to be a, <laughs> a weird thing for them as mm. well um, because some teams just didn't get a week off at all last year. Um, so that's going to be a nice change of pace for some of those players as well. Yeah, and we could see a, a definite... I hope we do a, a see a, a definite change in in... in the fortunes of say the the teams who have fewer games to play this season against the teams that have more pay- games to play just to make it a bit more even uh like you're looking at the the, the high level champions league or, or europa league uh place teams or the conference league whatever the hell it's called now those players having to play twice a week most of the time and obviously internationals coming in there as well and maybe that'll give the opportunity to the to the lesser lights of the league the team outside of european uh football uh, to really put it up to them and make competition uh, where there was none last season, because I think too often last season there was a there was a very much a oh this match is gone let's work on next week because we have or let's work on the game in four days time because this match is gone it's going to take up too much energy to get back into it and you know you're looking at maybe at Wolves putting up a fight to to some of the bigger teams that they, they maybe didn't last season or or indeed anyone who kind of finished outside of the the European spots. Yeah, and the other thing that's going to be a bit weird this year is how normal everything is going to be because we are going to have fans back yeah. in the stadiums too. You know, it might not be full capacity, but they'll be there. Uh, I'm sure some areas of England will gradually have full capacity stadiums, hopefully soon, but uh, at the very least it'll be 30 40% full, which I find is actually, you know, normally good enough to get some kind of atmosphere going. So um, mm. that's, that's a welcome return. We're also returning to the old schedule the the more normal schedule where you know there's a bunch of games on at three o'clock um yeah. essentially they're not all on individually all on tv at the same time um which i think will almost feel like a breath of fresh air um, Possibly, yeah. maybe we maybe we took that for granted the kind of glut of goals that you'd get uh, on a saturday afternoon the kind of ability to be like oh maybe i'll get this is a chance for me to watch a few different teams or oh i'm not available for that couple of hours i'll just check the scores and suddenly you know loads of different stories have happened so um i I think that's a welcome return as well as much as it was novel to be able to watch all the games yeah like uh i was going to ask you that question is what's the story with live broadcasting rights this season is there going to be matches available in the you know pick and choose type of situation or are we back to the old days where it's kind of okay there's there's six matches on and you can only watch one of them and that's the one that we dictate as a broadcaster yeah so i think in the uk um there's still a black like i i don't think they officially brought back the blackout but i think there won't be any matches televised at three o'clock in ireland okay. we'll have one game on premier sports um i think the first one is the everton norwich game or something like that or everton newcastle um so i think you know that will go back to normal of oh there's no legal way for me to watch these games which is a bit of a like that is still like that might be a a thing we look back on at the it's a thing we might look back on and say you know it was weird that we were able to watch all those games but also shouldn't that just be how it is like shouldn't they just all be televised anyway like Mm. it's good that they're on at the same time because i think that is quite exciting to be like oh there's a goal here there's a goal there there's been a red card over there you know that Gillette Soccer Saturday kind of the vibes yeah. of that um, 
But at the same time, I think, you know, if, if, if you're a fan of a club who's playing at three o'clock and you can't make it to the ground, you should still be able to watch it at three o'clock on TV. Mm. Um, so I think that's something that maybe we, we will end up having to look at throughout the season. Yeah, like I'm... It brings up the, the notion that during the week it was allowed that the Premier League, uh, the UK broadcast rights, or the UK and Ireland really, broadcast rights for the Premier League, uh, it was decided that there wasn't a need to do another, you know, uh, what's it called, competition. Auction. Auction to set it off. They can just, if all the parties agreed, they could just continue on as is for the next few years, which in in some ways it does guarantee Premier League revenue. I think that's why they took it. They didn't want to risk losing potential, like losing out by probably quite a substantial amount if if the likes of Sky or BT or, or Amazon, I think are the, are the three partners in that uh, broadcasting deal, if they decided not to bid uh, or not to match their bids if they worked as a cartel and, and reduce the actual money that they would give to, to Sky or not to Sky to the Premier League. Um, but I think at the same time, it's a lost opportunity for if Amazon wanted to increase their share in it or if there was a, to what we've seen in... Um, who who is the the gambling site that's taken Champions League rights? I think in Ireland, um, Live Score. Live Score. You know, if there was, uh, you know, in some kind of you know phantom inlet like them coming in, or Facebook, or the rumored Netflix or Apple or or somebody else like that, one of the big tech companies making a play for the rights, and that would have been interesting just to see for for a bit of change and and seeing if it would have a major impact on on, on the broadcasting landscape, and indeed whether the clubs would have gone for that in in in, in the case of taking one one of those tech giants. Uh, which could bring you know new revenue into the league again to to further cement the the their ability to dominate over other other leagues in the transfer market, but alas, it didn't happen. So we'll have to wait. I think till twenty twenty five. Is it now? We have mm. to wait until until there'll be a major change, and I fully expect there to be one now. Probably COVID had a major impact on this, and the clubs not wanting to risk losing out on money um, by by one of those big companies not coming in as expected. And uh, so I'd say they put put back the schedule by all oh, three seasons. Um, but we yeah we'll we'll see whether Sky and BT and um, I don't think Amazon have major you know if impact on on everything but certainly Sky and BT if they learned anything from their COVID broadcasting experience and whether they'll they've they'll take that into the future maybe offer a bit more choice and, and variety to to their subscribers and and to us watching uh, at home because I think it's it's something that's desperately needed I think they experimented last season and some of it worked and I think some of it didn't work. As we, you know, the the backlash that was for putting matches on pay per view um, didn't work out in the end for for any of the broadcasters. So um, they certainly learned from that and adapted to it. And I think they hopefully will adapt to maybe giving people more choice to watch matches and hopefully eventually getting rid of the stupid three pm um, embargo they have on, on 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 televising games because I think having that in place is in, on in the in the in the larger effect it hits fans the worst because fans have to play the reason there or the reason there's matches on on a sunday night at eight o'clock when there's you know uh southampton are playing newcastle and fans are having to travel the, the length and breadth of the uk to, to to see that match if they want to be actually be in the in the ground is because they can't televise it at, at 3 p.m on, on a saturday and what that would suit all fans involved i think um but yeah it's a it's a it's a an archaic and ancient uh, thing, band they have in place with that three o'clock moratorium. Balotelli, Aguero! And so the new season, we must look at uh, our preseason predictions because uh, what fun would it be otherwise? Oh, uh, 
we, we, we love to to pretend that we can see into the future and then never really look back and face the consequences of being wrong. Mm. Uh, we only ever look back when we're right, of course. Um, but I suppose we should start with the obvious one. Who's going to win the league this season, Andrew? Uh, I think it'll be Man City. I think they'll have signed... Well, not necessarily signed the best players. Uh, they've signed some of the, the, the best players of the summer. And given that they won the league at such ease by the end of it, man, like Pep Guardiola had adjusted his, his football to COVID football. And then by the end, they kind of reverted back to type. And some may say that might have cost them the Champions League, but certainly it was good enough for them to win the league uh, last season. And I don't see why they would stop now. I think Liverpool, while we cannot expect them to go through the, the crazy injury crisis they had last season I think they're weaker this year I think they've been unable to sign and to replenish the players that they wanted to over the last couple of years some of that's due to COVID some of that's due to what's happened in Spain I think um, and I think despite them them being probably on their day better than Man City and, and, and capable of beating Man City I don't think they have enough in them to, to actually win the league and I think the challengers just whether it's psychological or whether it's I expect them to implode in the likes of Manchester United and Chelsea respectively I don't think they have it in them to go and actually challenge and win the league so I think it just falls back to the default of Man City winning this maybe not a 100 point season I don't think by any stretch of the imagination but certainly I expect them to win it yeah I think this is a tough one like I think it is at this point I think there's an obvious four teams you can look at Mm. and put in the conversation yeah. Um, how much weight you give to each team is not necessarily equal in that conversation, but you can put them all in that conversation, I think, realistically. Obviously, Man City are, are the one you would weight the most in, in that kind of conversation, and they are obviously the favourites. Having won it last year, as you said, at a canter with a bit of a weird team, a bit of a weird system, no real mm. obvious um, single individual uh, attacking threat, but they mm. spread the goals around in such a unique and... and um, Okay, Gundogan wasn't an attacking threat for you. He wasn't enough for you with his crazy number of goals for a guy that normally just sits and watches the game go by. Yeah, it was weird. And and, and it was because of that system change that Pep made that we all kind of said at the end of the season that like, yeah, you know, this is one of his best league wins. You know, he was worthy of being manager of the year. And in in what was a tough year, you know, there's some other really good performances by individual managers and it's really hard to look past them winning it. Um, you know, when they bring in a guy like Jack Grealish, uh, you know, if they bring in someone like Harry Kane, like that is just making their attack even stronger. You know, they had the best defence last year already as it is, so there's not much they need to do to change that. Mm. But, you know, maybe there is such a thing as too many cooks can so- spoil the broth. Um, you know, there's been talks that City, you know, they want to bring in Grealish and Kane, but they also want to get rid of three or four players, and there's mm. no real market to get rid of those three, four players. The likes mm-hmm. of Bernardo Silva, Riyad Mahrez, maybe even Raheem Sterling. Um, you know, they, they've all had reduced minutes last season as it is. There's been reports that all of those players are slightly unhappy with the amount of minutes they've had and want more. And if they struggle to get rid of those players and end up having to keep them and they brought in, at the very least, Grealish, uh, you know, that could lead to some dressing room problems as well. The Pep will, you know, I wouldn't trust Pep with his man management style to get through that. Um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily be backing on them to run away with the league this year. I think it'll be close um, if they do it. I think Chelsea will probably win the league then. Um, really? If Man City are to implode. If Man City oh, are okay. to okay. implode. okay. If Man City are to implode. Uh, and, and reading, uh, I, I, like, I think Man City are the favourites, but I'm going to go with Chelsea um, just because my gut. 
like Thomas Tuchel, you know, they won the Champions League. That was impressive. You, you know, mm. it's it's not easy when a Champions League having joined a club in what was it February March. Uh, yeah, March it's time. only it's, so, well, it's only happened once before in in the last fifteen years <laughs> at Chelsea. You know, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it, Chelsea. And they nearly did it another it time, if you remember as well, with with Mister Avram Grant before that. So it's you know, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what that. Yeah, so well, Tuchel is also at a level where he's clearly better than than Avram Grant or Roberto Di Matteo is as a manager. Um, or you know, much Grant, better CV, you know. much better CV. Um, so you know they they've also they're putting 150 million in on uh, euros in on Romelu Lukaku. They already had a load of great attacking talent. Uh, the one thing we all said that Tuchel did extremely well last season was that he made them extremely hard to score against. They they had the best defense in the league once once he joined. Um, you know I wouldn't expect that to change all that much. So I do think, <laughs> I I think they I think they will run Man City close, and I think if Man City end up having some problems, I think they can take advantage of them because they have the quality there. I do think you're right. Like I think the rest of the top four will be Liverpool and Man United. Like I think those four teams that are kind of in the title race conversation will. Yeah. I think Liverpool and Man United will fall away, but they will be good enough to just seal top four. Um, yeah. Even though the likes of Leicester and 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 those other clubs that were in the European place last year all look still pretty good, um, but I, I think you like I think you're right as well that that Liverpool aren't as strong as they were last year. Obviously, the Virgil Van Dijk back, Ibrahim, Ibrahim is that how you pronounce that? Konate from Orbi Leipzig has come in as well. That is that seems like a good signing. Mm. Joe Gomez should be back. Um, Trent Alexander Arnold kind of found his form again late last season. You can start fresh. After missing the Euros, um, you know they they still uh, they've lost Jorginho Wijnaldum. That'll be a big yeah. loss, but they big do loss, still have. Yeah. They still do still have good players in midfield as well. Yeah, so it shouldn't be a huge loss in the way that Virgil Van Dijk last season was with his injury. So yeah. I think they still have the quality to be really good this season, but I think they'll have a bit more of an inconsistency about them. Um, so like I, w- I think they'll they'll fall off. Yeah, yeah. I I, I wouldn't be. For Liverpool, if we, we talk about them for a moment, I wouldn't be surprised if before the end of the window they do sign, because there's still a couple of weeks or three weeks left before the end of the window. I wouldn't be True, surprised yeah. if they do sign some kind of diff- a different midfielder, because I know they you know they brought in um, Thiago last season in the anticipation of changing the way they played, and they weren't really, really able to implement that last year, and I'm sure they'll, they'll try it again this year. But I, I, I do think they need somebody else in there, at least in cover, to be a, a Premier League standard midfielder. Because the likes of Jordan Henderson aren't getting any younger. If they if they do suffer another in, a bout of injuries like last season, even not as severe. But if they do, they, I think they're very light in midfield. And they need to kind of bring in a, a, a more robust Genie Wijnaldum, Oxley chamberlain type of player uh, to really shore things up in there. Um if we can we speak a bit about Chelsea just before I, I let you off with saying that they're going to win the league. Um, mm-hmm. Thomas Tuchel's never proven it in the league campaign. To be quite honest, did he did he win one league title with with Paris Saint Germain? Did he even win that league title? Yeah, he won a league title. He, he won, won a league won title. Two, did he? Uh, did he win two? Maybe he did win two. Um, I'm just checking now, but like he never came across as someone that could could really do it in the league. Like I know he, like winning the league of Paris Saint Germain is is not that. I don't want to say because you know the Pochettino didn't manage to do it last season. Um, yeah, he won two league titles with, with Paris, but Pochettino man, did manage to do it with them last season. I know Emery managed not to do it as well with with them, um, but you know it, it, it's not the it's not the hardest task in world football, and neither is winning. Uh, the Champions League with the run they had to the final and with the 
with the players at his disposal in in a really odd season and the way they won it kind of very conservatively very taken playing the percentages I'm not sure if that's if that's good enough to win a league of this standard, um, to be quite honest. And that's one of the reasons why I don't think Tuchel would have enough in him. Plus, he'd be on course to get sacked by Chelsea by the end of the season, given the, the you know the standard Chelsea algorithm of managers. There's no way he's lasting beyond this season. <laughs> um, so he he'll have to go at some point. So why not before the end of this season? And you know, with, with signing Lukaku, I know we'll come to it in a while. I think that signing it could go well. And Lukaku could be the top scorer, but just as easily we could see uh, the Lukaku of his of his return to Chelsea after West Brom, if you remember, um, and before he went to Everton, and then his kind of middling time at Manchester United, where he was considered dangerous, like he did could turn a player like no other in the Premier League, but at the same time he was really noted at Manchester United for oh he's good at crossing the ball in from the right hand side, isn't he? And uh, mm-hmm. I, I fear that at, at Chelsea you could have too many players doing that at Chelsea and not enough uh, players in the middle actually scoring the goals. And, you know, you're talking about dressing room stability uh, with Man City. What on earth does this Lukaku sign-in do for the likes of Timo Werner at the club, the likes of Tammy Abraham, if he does indeed stay at the club, maybe he won't at all this time. But what does that signing do for them? Like, are they out of it now? Like, I, 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 I see... There, there's deconstruction and construction yet to happen at Chelsea, and I think they've they started building before they finished uh, demolishing, and I wonder how that will work in the in the long term. And 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 then going back through defence, I'm still not really sure what what they're at. I think uh, defensively they've been a bit suspect in preseason. Maybe they'll they'll get that sorted in, in when the league actually starts. But like at set pieces and in counter attacks, they've been they've been suspect. Um, so we we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, they they're definitely going to be in the top four. I think you can't make an investment like they've made in the last couple of years. You can't win a Champions League, obviously, without without being decent. But I think last season, Thomas Tuchel's side they limped over the line to Champions League qualification. Uh, maybe that was to do with being in the Champions League final that they were holding back. Um, but they certainly like his his record near the end of the season wasn't great. And yeah, well. I, I, I just don't trust him over a campaign period. Like I think he is a good cup manager. He's shown that in the past. I think he's shown that with, with Dortmund winning the, the cup in Germany and also with Chelsea. Um obviously winning the Champions League last season, but I'm not entirely sure that they, they have the 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 long haul skills to go and win a championship. And then what about the sides uh, knocking on the door of the top four places, looking at the, the two Europa League places, the uh, Europa Conference League places? Who who are the three sides that you'll be looking at there as as the ones who will get into Europe next year? Well, I think this is I think this is even a harder decision than, than deciding who will be the champions and who will be in the top four because I think, like you said, there, there's a clear budget uh, advantage and playing squad advantage to Man City. Chelsea, Liverpool, and Man United, but after that, you're kind of there's a drop off. I think a significant drop off, and there's been a lot of upheaval in in some of the the clubs that have had recent success. Like I I put down Arsenal, Leicester City, and Spurs. I think Arsenal, they if you know they they have they have the parts there to to go and at least qualify for the Europa League. You you would think given given the the quality in their squad, but do they have the willpower and do they have the ability to do that? I'm not sure. I put Leicester in there because of their performances in recent years and they have signed well I think as well during the summer but they're still so frail they they still a couple of player players getting injured away from you know collapsing as they have in the last two years and already this season we've seen uh, Fafana break his leg and be out probably for the rest of the year 
and you know defensively is where you worry about with Leicester and then I have Spurs as, as the other kind of wildcard team to, to come into it and really that's to do with the, the quality and depth that they have into that squad um, while I don't think they're the, anywhere near even where, where Pochettino had Spurs when they were challenging for the league title they're still a near Champions League level squad they have a lot of good players obviously Hoiberg Hoi- last season was very good I think they have signed well goalkeeper Golino Golini or whatever his name is I think he had a few you know iffy days for Atlanta in the last few years but he's someone that probably could put Lloris under a bit of pressure in the in number one spot instead of Joe Hart um, and you know in other areas they, I think they, they'll, they'll be a bit more pragmatic this season they'll concede less goals which was a, an issue with them under Mourinho at times last season certainly under uh, the latter half of the season um, so they, I think they'll be there thereabouts but at the same time I can see any of these three teams finishing 8th, ninth, and 10th and other teams to take their places Yeah um, I, I think there's a good few teams here like we already have the likes of West Ham from last year did really well um, Leeds United ended the season really strongly Aston Villa have really have had a really interesting transfer window and, and generally had quite a good season last year so it is quite difficult um, I've 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 gone a bit optimistic with this one in terms of seeing a bit of a sea change in in the top teams. I I, I haven't included Arsenal or Tottenham. Um, I've gone with Leicester again, you know, for all the same reasons that you said there, and I, I've stuck with Leeds and Aston Villa. I don't think West Ham will quite replicate um, their their great season last year. I think that was not quite a one off, but I, you know, I think they'll still be top ten probably, maybe eleventh. But uh, you know, I don't think they'll quite have the same strength that they had last year everyone's that bit older as well I'm looking at you mm. Mark Noble um, was, did Mark um, Noble not leave? <laughs> no Mark Noble this is last year I believe um, okay yeah West like, Ham yeah like I, I didn't want to say much about West Ham to be quite honest but yeah I think they, they haven't signed well and they've sold badly <laughs> like uh, and, and Felipe Anderson do. to Lazio you know letting uh, who else did they let go again? Um, I think he was very important for them last season Balbuena did play a lot of minutes last season you know these are important players that they haven't replaced and uh yeah i'd be i'd be concerned about them their players having another you know outperforming year and with the the future is still in doubt of of their biggest player in in uh in what's his name declan rice declan rice yeah i i don't think they'll quite replicate what they did last year but i do think leeds united and Aston villa can break into break into europe um and of course west ham will have to play european games is another factor we didn't mention which mm. could slow them down a bit. We saw that happen to Burnley and Lee and Burnley and Wolves in the last few years. So, I think this is this is a good year for for Leeds. Um, you know, they they came on ninth last year. I think they ended the season quite strongly, despite everyone's fears that they might collapse. So, you know, in the busiest calendar or in the busiest season ever, um, a Marcelo Bielsa team managed to keep going to the very end, which I think mm. was really impressive. Uh, they grew into the season more and more. Like you know, they started the season quite well, and they kept just getting better. Um, you know, that four-three game against uh, Liverpool at Anfield was an impressive debut on their return, and and uh, you know they've made some interesting signings this year as well. Jun- Junior Furpo is one of the most exciting ones, I think, in the league this season. So um, you know, I, I trust Bielsa as well to kind of get things right, keep things moving. Um, and I think they can break into Europe. And then Aston Villa, you know, they've lost Jack Grealish, but they have spent that money, I think, quite wisely. And I think we'll look maybe in further depth later on, on who they brought in. But I think they're building quite an interesting and exciting squad there. And, you know, they've actually got a decent amount of depth now as well. 
um, with that greatest one, they've managed to kind of spread it around in, in a smart way. So, you know, they've been a team that's that's hard to break down. They arguably have the best goalkeeper in the division. Um, they, they've they one of the best strikers, maybe two of the best strikers in the division as well. So they still have some absolute quality despite losing a, a once-in-a-generation talent like Grealish. So I think they can they can break into the top seven as well. And, and, and to a certain extent... I think it'd be not like obviously I'd love if one of them was able to break or two even were able to break in the top four. I don't quite see it though. No. Like the top four teams are a bit just too strong at the moment for a surprise. But I I think Arsenal and Tottenham have that kind of underbelly where they can be got out a bit more consistently. Like Arsenal don't really have a midfield at the moment. Like Thomas Barty is going to miss the start of the season. They're still playing Granit Xhaka. Mohamed El Neni is still in contention for starting spots. They brought in Lakonga, who you know seems highly rated but is still quite young and fresh. So I think that's that's a big weakness for them there, and they don't seem to really be linked with anyone um, either at the moment. They're more linked with the second choice goalkeeper, which seems like a weird use of resources. Tottenham, you know, are kind of in transition as well. Um, I'd say Nuno will be given twelve months to kind of do whatever he needs, as long as it's not a disaster. He'll probably be able to keep that job. Um, so I think he'll be given a bit of a free free hit there to to experiment. Obviously, they're gonna. Well, not obviously they're going to lose Kane, but they obviously they could lose Kane, uh, which would, you know, that's 10, 15 points potentially gone um, there if they don't replace him adequately enough, which, you know, brings them from 7th last year to probably 11th, maybe. So yeah. I, I think I think there's a couple of spaces open there as well um, for some previously seen as midfield teams or mid-table yeah. teams. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of that, to be quite honest. Like, Arsenal are teetering. They could finish 5th. They could finish 10th. Leicester City, you know, as you said, they're, they're, they're there, thereabouts, but they're, they're, they're quite, you know, under the surface they can be found out. And, and, and Spurs easily as well could fall through the league. I think I'm probably, I could be wrong in this, but I, I imagine Kane has, the, he's the most winning player of last season. He won his team the most amount of points last season. Um, through just you know his his important goals and when they were scored and and at different points in different matches, uh, so without Kane, at, you know at least firing in all cylinders, which I can't imagine he would be. Although you never know. Um, yeah, the Spurs could definitely be in trouble and 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 adapting to a new style of play as well as you said under under Superintendent uh, um, Super Nintendo. What uh, Nuno Espirito Santo, <laughs> uh, if falling down the league, you know it, it is a, a possibility. Definitely, um, I think they'll be solid. Probably would be would be Santo Nuno Espirito Santo's first uh, first task at hand. His his first job he'll see to have to resolve. But after that, I don't know where the goals are going to come if they lose Kane. Um, in their current way, they might sign someone last minute. But as you know. The last time Spurs did that, it didn't really work out for them, and I don't know if it will again this time. And Villa would be an interesting one as well. I think I think it's odd they're signing. They've signed well, but they've signed a lot in very specific areas. Buendia, they tried to sign number another number ten, and I think they're still after another number ten, which is odd as well. I'm wondering what they're going to try and do or the different ways they're going to play. Uh, they seem to have upgraded their centre forward partnership uh, with Danny Ings and and Liam Bailey. And uh, who's the other attacking player that they signed? Uh, I've completely. I've, it slipped from my Emmy head. Emmy Yeah, Buendia, but they signed another, or they're linked to another, to another striker, I think, as well, which is a bit weird, uh, given that you know they had players that made the England squad and different things like that, or at least were challenging for the England squad to the last minute um, for the Euro. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what Villa do. I, I, I think they flattered to deceive it a lot of times, especially in the second half of last season. I think they had fantastic opportunity to really. 
uh, climb up the division and, and make a make a you know make an attempt even at the top four at different times of last season, but they didn't. They didn't. They didn't clinch that. And I don't know. Is that just the ceiling of the current management, and they can't go any further than that? And we'll see by the the end of the season where Villa end up. And then I think relegation is a bit of a crapshoot, but uh, give us <laughs> the three teams you you've got to actually go down. So I've Brentford, Burnley, and North City. Now I think any any of a handful of teams could be involved in this uh, into this battle. I don't think it'll be as cut and dry as last season when you had clearly Sheffield United being the the worst team in the league, and then you kind of had okay West Brom are, aren't great either, and they're going to be pretty close as well. They're, they're definitely going to go down from an early point of the season. You can kind of identify that. And who was the other team that went down in the end last season? I completely Fulham went from, down with like a Fulham few went games down. to spare as well. Yeah, and it's like I don't think we're going to have that kind of low-level uh, finish this season. I think that there'll be there'll be a slightly higher quality to it. But like Brentford, they've done great to be in the Premier League. I think it might be a season too early for them. Um, they they you know traditionally have signed well and sold well. So whether they can make that step up to being in the Premier League, I'm not sure. I think they they often will go on losing streaks in the Championship, and I think that could be terminal if you do that in the Premier League. Burnley, I think they've been teetering for a few years. I think they've not signed anyone of, of much level, and they, they've sold off some of their more creative players, so I don't know how they can stay in the league this year. And then Norwich City, um, I just have down there, because again, they, they've, they've sold their best player. They haven't really brought in too much high quality. I think that was their problem a couple of years ago under Fark, and I think that same thing will happen again. He'll go down with the ship. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, I've gone with uh, where to go. I've I've lost it. Um, you went I go with Burnley, Burnley, yeah. Newcastle, and Watford. Um, so I tend to kind of agree with Burnley. I think I think they're they're the bill is due there on their time in the league. Mm. Newcastle, it kind of feels the same way. Um, Newcastle have signed nobody, by the way. <laughs> signed yeah, nobody like, this uh, summer. It, it, it's still a few weeks to go, so I don't want to be too critical of anyone's transfer business just yet, because you know. You, yeah, you but this is Steve Bruce bargains. in Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where it really concerned, and and they've kind of overperformed the last few years. Like I know they've ended up staying up comfortably the last couple of years, but it doesn't feel like they've really earned staying up comfortably. Like last year was maybe three of the worst teams to ever go down uh, together as a group. Mm. Um, the year before, you know, they were still kind of Rafa Benitez's team. So I think, I think now is probably the time. And then, yeah, of the three promoted sides, Watford is just the one that I see is going down. Mm. But it's more of a gut feeling than anything. And, and yeah. I'm sure I'll look back on that, and they'll finish eleventh, and I'll, I'll feel real stupid about well. it. Brentford as well, and Norwich, and and Southampton, and even maybe Crystal Palace could all be put in that conversation as well. I feel like and Brighton. Don't forget Brighton. I'm not going to put Brighton in there. Um, they're they're I'm, definitely going to be I'm, down there. Like. I'm going to confidently say Brighton will finish as high as thirteenth. Oh, that's 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 a that's a big prediction. Bold. I'm gonna I'm gonna also add to that they will comfortably finish at least ten points clear of seventeenth. So oh. I think, yeah, that's, that's that that's my bold prediction. I guess I suppose yeah. that brings us on to our surprise team good edition. Uh, I'm not gone with Brighton. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it would be safe to do that. Uh, I could have though. The the reason I'm not is because it wouldn't be a surprise to me if they ended up coming good this year. Mm, I my my surprise then would probably be Everton because I think there's a lot of question marks over Benitez going back to Liverpool. 
and you know the the Ancelotti experiment while I thought it did it didn't start bearing fruit it, it definitely was interesting and it was better than what was there previously at Everton and a lot of those you know raw materials remain and maybe with a bit more shoring up at the back and a bit more organization defensively which you would imagine comes with Benitez Everton could actually win those matches that they were you know the the 50-50 games where they were they should have been beating teams you know play teams around them the likes of the likes of Aston Villa the likes of uh of Leeds United, you know, the games where they were struggling at times, um, they, they can go and actually, you know, win it and, and get further up the table. Uh, I've gone with Aston Miller for this one mostly because, you know, you see Jack Grealish leaving, you think, oh, well, they won't be as good in the next season. I think they will actually maintain their performance, which I think will be a surprise for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, just because losing a player like Jack Grealish can really sink a team. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think they can. They can, uh, as I kind of said before, I think they can. They can keep going. But in terms of uh, surprise team, bad. Um, we've both gone with Burnley for <laughs> pretty much the reasons I suppose we just discussed. I guess. Yeah, like I went with Sheffield United last season, and I, I thought it was vindicated in that. And I think, yeah, Burnley as well. This this year will will probably be this season's uh, Sheffield United. I don't think they'll be as bad or perform as badly. Sheffield United last season were kind of things. Everything started to go wrong and then the manager left and all that sort of thing. But there's there's been disquiet bubbling over at that club for a few years now. Sean Dykes hasn't signed well. Whether he's been able to or not is another question. But the, the team is, is slowly falling apart and getting older and older. And there's only so long you can do that. I think that I think the mileage will start catching up with a lot of the players in that team. They'll, they're really gonna live to regret getting rid of Robbie Brady. Is is my feeling. yeah yeah. Well, he could still come <laughs> back. You know, he could still come back. I suppose. Um, then we're looking at top scorer. You've gone with Lukaku, and I've gone with Kane. Uh, that's a real <laughs> that's a real twenty fifteen vibe. I feel like yeah, like it's it's very yeah. It is actually, as you pointed out, it is it is feels a bit like a throwback to a few years ago. Um, but yeah, I think I think Lukaku's signing could go one of two ways. Either he'll go very well, or it will be the worst signing of the year, and he won't score, and we'll have another Shevchenko-esque situation on our hands. And and Chelsea again will have wasted an immense amount of money on a player that they already had in the past, which is kind of funny when you think about it. When they, you know, Frank Lampard almost got sacked because he wanted to sign Declan Rice, and they've gone and signed a player that they've let go. Really, they let go three times. Uh, to be quite honest, because they had him on loan a couple of times as well away at other clubs uh, um, so yeah a, a guy that they, they wanted to sign back when he went to Manchester United and they should have signed for how much did United pay that time? I think it was £75 million pounds. so they've lost what £50 million. they've lost about £50 million pounds, give or take and, having to, and a few years on having to sign him and plus team, whatever Timo Werner has cost um, so yeah I, I have Lukaku because I, I don't think it'll be a high scoring a top scorer race again I think the race is open uh, in a way that it hasn't been for some years, I think there'll be a Liverpool player in there, whether it's whether it's Sadio uh, Mane or whether mm. it's uh, Mo Salah again in, in that, or whether that the years have gone too much on those players, or uh, and and the likes of Kane will probably be involved, depending on where he ends up come the end of the the transfer window. But yeah, Lukaku's who I fear. If if, if things go well for Chelsea, as as you've predicted, I think Lukaku will be uh, at the forefront of that and probably score twenty two, twenty three goals. Yeah, I, I didn't really know what to put down with this one, so I just kind of went with the safe bet of Kane just to kind of hedge my bets there. Um, <laughs> there's not, there's no uh, bit of Nostradamus gone into that one. I don't think it's just, no. uh, just you know, if you know, if I'm wrong in another way, then maybe Kane will be the thing that comes good. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm playing the percentages here. Yeah, it could. Yeah, um, easily, easily, it could, easily, it could. 
Um, so for best defense then as a team, um, we're, we've both gone with the Manchester club. Yeah, I went for City just because looking at last season, the way they they kind of smother teams. I thought about this one quite a long time to try and figure it out because maybe it'll be a team outside of the top that will have like the best defense over you know player for player, and they'll have have given their 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 league or their the team the defense would have given the team the highest you know gain in the league by by conceding fewer goals and losing fewer games they they gained the most but then looking through it and looking at the the vulnerabilities a lot of the teams outside of the top four you can't really say that this season i don't think the defenses are there so you have to look at one of the top teams chelsea i know you you had a uh, an impassioned plea there for them earlier that they'd win the league and the defense would be the 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 kind of foundation for that but I, I don't think the Chelsea defence is quite there I think there there's mistakes in there in there still to happen and you know it's what happens when you're growing a new defensive system and I think their midfield is, is a bigger issue when it comes to their defence as well I think they have to figure out how they want to play this season I don't know if they're there yet so I, I've gone for Manchester City they, they won the league last season I expect them to win the league this season I think they performed well. I think the changes in the offside rule this season uh, the, the changes in VAR really this season will probably work uh, against teams that play a higher line and teams with slower defenders, which you know you you would say probably is the likes of Manchester United and Chelsea, um, and City. Not that they have speedsters themselves, but I think they'll have enough cover in there to kind of uh, help with those extra goals they'll be shedding uh, or shipping, whatever whatever the correct phrase is for it. So I think City will just about get there. I think United will be close behind them as well, given given the the kind of experience and, and strength and depth in their defensive choices uh, that's available to them, especially after the sign of Iran. They still have their Lindelof and Bailly and a few other players there in the background if, if anything were to happen to their first string uh, centre defensive pairing. And I think that'll that'll work in their advantage this season. Yeah, I've gone with my United mostly for, for that reason. Like I do think the top four will all be pretty close in terms of mm. who concedes the least. And, and the reason why I wouldn't put my United in... in as a favorite to win the league, or the favorite to win the league, is more because I don't think they'll score the same amount of goals, or they won't score the goals in the right times. You know, if you get me, like they might still score mm. the same amount of goals, but that'll be because they hammer a couple of teams six nil maybe on a good day, whereas they won't eke out those those close games as much as the likes of Chelsea or City will. But I think defensively they should still be pretty solid, despite having probably the weakest defensive pairing in midfield. To, to shield the the defense like you're looking at probably Fred and Scott McTominay playing a lot of games midfield again and I, I you know I take any of the other three teams midfields over that but you know the pairing of Maguire and Varane might end up being the strongest of all four um plus they've got Luke Shaw who had a great Euros great last season Aaron Wambasaka is liable uh defensively but also he can be uh, supreme on his day as well like he's a bit of a mixed bag in that sense so yeah. I, I do think plus as a goalkeeper like you know we it's yet to be seen what will happen with Dean Henderson because he, he's been kind of suffering from fatigue from having uh, COVID so maybe he won't be at his sharpest for the first few months of the season but he's still bank on the head to be a decent shot stopper even though he's not had the best last couple of seasons I think the increased competition will also probably help his form so um, you know and, and the thing with Man United is they, they don't concede a lot of goals, it's just that the goals they do concede tend to look very comical, mm. um, which I think gives a, a, a kind of warped perception of how good they are defensively. Um, so I, I, I think they'll be pretty solid defensively this year. Again, unless they absolutely implode, but that's kind of an asterisk we've always had on my United um, in recent years. Um, yeah, and, then, and yeah, come on. Uh, I was just going to move on then, unless you had any other No, remarks. no, 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 no. no. 
Move on uh, for the best in for the best team in Europe. Um, out of the English clubs, I've gone with Liverpool. Yeah, I, I, they do have the strength and experience there. They, they, I think were unfortunate last season. And I think they left it too late to come back and beat Real Madrid and, and really make an effort at the at the Champions League. I'd say they would have had a good tilt at winning it if if not for that defeat. Uh, given how the rest of the draw finished up. Um, I've won for Man City because I think they'll have a point to prove. I don't think Chelsea will defend their title. Um, and I think City will probably make a, make the biggest tilt towards uh, winning things. Yeah, um, then I just noticed I actually, for the next category, Champions League winner had written Man City. <laughs> so I'm going to change that to probably PSG, I guess, um, based yeah, that's, on what we now know. <laughs> yeah, given given the fact that PSG could well sign Leo Messi by the time you're hearing this, and, and maybe definitely by the time next week comes around, and definitely by the time the Champions League comes around, they... While not unstoppable, they they seem to have you know it would be very hard to bet against them. I think they they'd have the strength and depth throughout the squad. I think they would focus pretty exclusively on the Champions League as well. I think that'll be a ma- massive focus of the ownership and and that'll trickle down to the management and and to the playing staff. And I think Mbappe, Messi, Neymar, Di Maria, Verratti, um, give me they've got other attacking players I can't even think of right now. Um, the other Argentine striker I've completely forgotten his name of, Icardi. I- um, they, they, um, the the young fella from Everton. What's his name? Uh, uh, he's, he's on Everton now, is he not? Is he gone back to Everton? Okay, uh, but you know, the, Moise Keane is who I was thinking of. But um, yeah, they, they've they've got so much firepower in there, and if they can just sort out the defense, which I think is, is isn't that far away from being pretty solid in itself. And I think you know Pochettino will will have made sure and 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 have had time to kind of tweak the way they play and to, and to change the way they play to be more of that pressing side that were and the counter punching side that that Pochettino enjoys playing playing or setting out. I I think it would be hard push for any of the other teams in Europe to really make a a, a, a kind of effort against it. I think you're only really looking at Man City, and then you have that messy effect and that probably carried them through a Man City uh, game unlike last season. Uh, other than that, I don't think Bayern have it in them this year. I think they're they're an aging side again, going through a bit of transition. They're they're signing in new players and kind of changing the way they play again. Um, so I I don't think they have it in them. I definitely don't think the Italian clubs can, can muster a challenge and Spain the same due to financial irregularities and the the different things that are going on at those clubs. I don't think they have a real tilt at it. So I think it is between PSG or an English side and and really that messy effect is is what I see carrying them through. For manager of the year, I've gone with Marcelo Bielsa. I think, you know, qualifying for the Europa League with Leeds would be a pretty stellar achievement. And at, at that point as well, it would kind of be a lifetime achievement award to give it to him as well. So um, I think that's a... I, I like that pick. Yeah, I think it's it's very possible. I went for the, the boring answer of St. Pep Guardiola because I think they'll win the league. And I think that generally means that... that I, I just... I, I, no, I, I, I'm not having it. Like if Pep, if Pep wins the league having signed Jack Grealish and Harry Kane... That that rules them out. I don't. I don't care what they do. Like they they signed two of the best players in the league that didn't already play for them. They already won it last year. That that's not that wouldn't warrant it for me. It's that a Bayern Munich strategy, you know. It's it's what works for Bayern Munich. It's it's what can work for for Man City. Yeah, I I hear you on that, and and you could be very well right. It's just last season I think Pep adjusted the way he played and really went up in my estimation as a manager. Even though he didn't win the the overall prize and kind of shot himself in the foot again in that Champions League final. Uh, in the way he set out although I, I you know I think that match was very tight anyway and could have gone either way in the end but it, it went against him 
but I think in the league he he really did assert his dominance and 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 did change the way he played at least on two occasions. I mean, fundamentally changed the way Man City set out and play games to adapt to the circumstances. And I thought that was very good and very clever. And like you say, you know, he has a, a wealth of talent in that team. Like you know, he, they're looking to offload a bunch of players that would go into any of the other teams in the league's first team immediately, like Raheem Sterling, Bernardo Silva. You know, these are uh, Riyad Mahrez. The, apparently, these these players are, are surplus requirements at City, which kind of shows you what 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 great wealth they have uh, in, in their side. But you know, Pep can get a if I. I you know, it's it's easy to put the players on the field. I think uh, someone still needs to bring bring them all together. I think Paris Saint Germain are, are a testament to that over the years. Uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid have also suffered that fate as well when they when they don't have the right man at the helm. They don't know how to bring those those great players into actually achieving something. And I think Pep has done that, and credit to him. But yeah, I I, I acknowledge what you say about you know maybe it wouldn't be the best manager of the year if you just got the best players for the team that's already won the league and just you know kicked on a, a couple of extra percent to win it again. Yeah, I I, I could see what you're saying. For player of the year, um, you know, who even won it last year was... Um, was it Diaz? Jordan? No. Yeah, it was Ruben Diaz, yeah, of yeah. course. Um, bit of a weird pick at the time, you know, not often we see a centre-back win it. Um, you know, I think it's a bit open again this year. Yeah. I definitely definitely is. Like, I, I, I couldn't... I couldn't nail down or identify an exact player I would pick. Um, like there is a, a shout to the to the new signings at at the top clubs. You know, you're looking at Grealish at City. Could he really kick on and be like the assist master of this year, and and do kind of uh, Kevin De Bruyne from a different angle uh, type of winner, or could it be Jaden Sancho doing something similar for Manchester United? Could be maybe. I also say Kane if he stays at Spurs and just digs them out and brings them to like seventh place just by his goals alone and really you know grit his teeth and, and teeth and and get there. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be a tough one this year. Probably it's a hard one to pick. I one of those players would probably be my pick. I've gone with a controversial pick, but yes. uh, you know it goes well with my uh, prediction that Chelsea will win the league. I've gone with Timo Werner, a player who mightn't be, be at Chelsea in two weeks' time. We'll see. <laughs> it is yet to be decided. No, I think I think Timo Werner will slot in quite nicely. He'll get to play on his more preferred position on the left with Lukaku coming in. I think those two can actually work quite well together. Okay. With Werner kind of opening up spaces for Lukaku, and I think that Werner can actually become quite a, a nice creator of goals, mm. more so than person who misses a lot of chances. And you know, I think it would just be a, a pretty nice personal arc for him to come back from just all of the slander last year to to put it all to one side. Fifteen and, goals and, and fifteen assists year. is what you're saying, is it, or thirty goals season, or what are you? Yeah, you know, I, I could see him being more of a 15 of 15 rather than a 30 and, and 2 or something like that. You know, 15 goals, 15 assists. I like the I like the sound of that. Okay. Um, and, and that's what I'll go with. And he won't even be a penalty taker either, um, you know, no. but he might he might win a few penalties too. Um, yeah, so. I'd say that's that's something Chelsea are good at, although VAR changes might, you know, the benefit of the doubt is changing. So we'll, we'll see how that affects penalties. We don't know yet. Um, the only problem I have with that is the imbalance that would create in the Chelsea side because I think they already lack in terms of left midfield and left defence if they don't play the likes of Hudson-Odoi or someone of that kind of skill set or a fullback of that matter of that kind of skill set so I, I'd, be, I'd be concerned about the balance on the Chelsea side when on the left-hand side if, if, if Werner is the only player there because you, you'd be left with a very a big old gap in the left-hand side of midfield for players and teams to exploit Um because Werner's not going to go back there and do all the work needed of a of a proper winger come 
defensive winger which is what Chelsea probably need on that side if they are you know to keep the rest of the team similar enough with Havertz and probably uh, the young fella playing right back what's his name um, who played for England a few Reece times Reese James yes um, I don't I don't yeah we'll see we'll see what happens you could be completely right and I, I'll have egg on my face at the end of it but I, I don't know I don't even know I'm not confident that Vern will be at the club in a few weeks time <laughs> Uh, best signing then we should move on to we've both gone with the same player who uh, who is it? Uh, Jaden Sancho's who who I've gone for in, in in this regard. He is the most exciting in theory. You know, I don't know how well he'll do at Manchester United. I I think he's good enough to to pull out some good performances. I worry that he could be another Martial and kind of lost in the in the ether over there at United and and not really be taken advantage of fully. Um, because I think he is a, a player that. You know, despite his blistering pace, he is someone that that actually plays better when he's in control of the game. When the team he's playing for is in control of the game, and I don't know how often that'll happen for Manchester United, and he'll be able to exploit it. We'll see. They 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 will play you know a good half of their games against lesser teams this season, so he could have a lot of time on the ball and a lot of opportunity to really show how he is. But yeah, Jaden Sancho, who's I've gone for in that in that regard, because I think he is the most exciting signing of the summer. Yeah, I, I think he's a real coup for United that they can really get him for uh, a, a relatively uh, cheap price. You know, we're looking at Lukaku, 115 million euros, 100 million pounds for Jack Grealish, 100 and God knows what for Harry Kane, potentially. Yeah, so 73 million pounds for, for Jaden Sancho, I think looks a, an absolute steal, really, um, for a player who is probably the best of all of those players I, you know if I, if I could only have one of those players in my team I'm probably picking Jaden Sancho so I think that's that's a great bit of business from May United which is not something we often say um, about yeah. United um, but I, I think he, he's one of the most exciting yeah I, I just think he's one of the most exciting young talents in the game if not the most exciting besides maybe Mbappe um, who is Haaland. a little more established and Erling Haaland true yeah I, I'd have those three Fat, together Fatu though the, the yeah, they they would be the three I'd have together. Um, not even Ansu Fati is Fati very well with there, um, or Pedri. You know, I wouldn't have him quite there that either. Mostly because his legs could just vanish. Well, <laughs> they might, we uh, they yeah. might turn to dust <laughs> given the amount of football he's been made play at eighteen and nineteen years old. So yeah, I think Sancho's a, a really really exciting signing and and one of those that I just. You know, I've said it before. Maybe I've said it before. My United player player signing and been wrong, but I just don't see how it can go wrong for for United. He's such a sure thing in my mind. Yeah, um, but then I, on the flip side, yeah. worst signing. Worst signing. Could, could Jane Sancho be the worst signing? I don't think so. Like I, 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 I agree that like compared to Lukaku and 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 potentially Harry Kane and Jack Grealish. Uh, you know he he's a lot cheaper, but I think the, the the money zones that Chelsea and Man City operate in are are just they don't care about money. So I don't think the the, the fees they pay really matter in the grand scheme of things or the differentials. I think there's a lot. Sancho no, costs no, a lot but, of money. When you, but but when you look at how much Dortmund potentially could have charged for um for Jane Sancho at a time where Man United are being a bit more conservative and how much they're spending they are still spending quite a lot but they're not going to football throw, like this time but, yeah. but this time last year they didn't throw out the 120 million whatever that it was needed to bring in Sancho and that looked like you know a, a great decision now in hindsight given the fact that they comfortably finished second um, never really looked in trouble last season and then they've got the player for a significantly cheaper price so I think you know that is some shrewd business on their part even if <laughs> you know it wasn't quite designed to be as smart as it was um, I think it's worked out quite well for them mm. yeah so w- worst signing of the year then 
I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and just say Harry Kane if he does get signed by by somebody um, before the end of the window. It's still a big if at the moment, but like you said, he could cost upwards like over 100 million pounds. I think that would be a lot of money for a guy coming near 30 who's injury prone and seems to be well. I, I I've ridden him off before as being past it, but then he came back last season with a with a very good season and top goal scorer. So I could be wrong there, but. Yeah, I, I, I think if he, he goes, the chances are in his his luck before he'll just get injured and like someone like Man City have paid £120 million for a guy that's only going to pay 15 matches for them this season. Yeah, for similar enough reasons, I've kind of gone with Lukaku in this one, which I know will sound strange considering I've backed Chelsea, but I would have backed Chelsea before they signed Lukaku. Like It's not that they've brought him in that I've suddenly decided that they're going to win the league. I think that they, they, they were set up quite well to do to do well this year without Lukaku and I think that's kind of an unnecessary addition and for a lot of money and I get what you mean when you say money's not really much of a factor at Chelsea but the optics of it still matter Um, you know the way things get uh, reported the way things fans see the game the money still matters in in those terms Uh, and I don't think Lukaku will be starting 35-36 games for Chelsea I think it could be a case that you know, he has good games, he does quite well, especially against the kind of lesser sides, but we've seen him in the bigger games not do too well, and and it wouldn't shock me if he gets, you know, taken out of the team when they go play Man City or when they go play Liverpool um, in favour of, you know, maybe playing Havertz through the middle um, or maybe even playing Mount through the middle. Um, you know, so I think... I think if that happens, I think Thomas Tuchel's in very good danger of losing his job. Well, not if they still win the matches, you know. It's mm. it's such a it is such a weird thing. Like so, uh, he just seems like an unnecessary purchase, especially when if you wait twelve months, you could maybe get Holland. Um, and I suppose we'll talk about his future down the line and then mm. in the coming months. Um, but considering they were so heavily linked with trying to sign him this year, and suddenly they decided actually we're to go with Lukaku instead, which rules them out of signing him for seventy five million, uh, which is the release clause that goes into effect next summer. You know, it is a bit of a weird one. Um, I'm not sure he's really a Tuchel player. I'm not sure how he really fits into that same team at, like as well. Like, again, when they play Burnley or when they play, um, you know, Southampton, Lukaku will be a really good player, and he's shown that he's, he's, he's really good at that. But when they go to play Man City, when they go to play in a Champions League semi-final, I'm not sure he's really going to cut the mustard. Um, and that's... It's, it's the fee that I suppose is really hiding... Or not hiding, is really emphasizing why I think he could be the worst especially because also I look around the rest of the league and I don't see too many awful transfer decisions so I think it could be the case that he's the worst of what is a really good bunch um mm. so uh worst kind of sounds worse than it actually is when I when I mean it that way yeah no I I acknowledge that I acknowledge that it's it's a fair shout and then uh which of the non-traditional big clubs do you think will go on a good domestic cup run uh, I went for Everton on this. Um, Benitez loves a cup competition. I, at least I think he does. Uh, I think he always, you know, excelled in cup competitions. Whether that was the Champions League um, with Liverpool or whether it was, you know, I suppose not so much laterally, <laughs> but uh, maybe at Napoli he did well. Did he win the Coppa Italia at Napoli? At Napoli, he did. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I think he does love a bit of that. And I think he, when he was at Newcastle, I know they didn't do that well in cups, but I think he, he he put a bit more emphasis on it. And I think Everton, he knows the importance of winning a trophy. He knows how important that would be for Everton, a team that's been lacking trophies for a very long time at this stage. Um. So, a, a good run or a tilt at a cup, or at least you know doing well in it, could bring a lot of hope and and make the season's success, no matter where Everton finish in the top ten. 
Yeah, and I think given the fact that Benitez is not the most popular man at Everton, mm. that could be a way to get get the fans on side. You know, a good League Cup run. And when I say a good run, I do mean like a semi final or maybe a quarter, maybe maybe an FA Cup quarter final appearance. If it is like the other big clubs in there and they're the odd one out, mm. um, the trip to Wembley is is kind of what I have in mind. And Everton could be a good show for that. West Ham is, is who I've gone for because David Moyes does love a bit of a cup run as well. Um, you know, get to an FA Cup final with Everton and a couple other semi and quarter finals. Um, and and West Ham as well as the club have got the odd cup run in them as well. Um, so I think it could just be a year where they end up in a League Cup semi final and they lose to Man City or something. You know that that seems like the kind of thing that could happen. Um, so that's what I'm going with. Yeah, like I, I I do think West Ham will struggle this season. I think they haven't signed well, and I I think time will catch up with David Moyes uh, this year. N- not relegation or anything like that, but I I do think that their their cup performances could be below uh, early knockouts uh, of uh, the League Cup and the FA Cup. And I know the Europa League is is something that maybe they could target. Or then uh, it's a conference league. Sorry, <laughs> before you. No, they're in the they're, they're in the, in the Europa, Europa League proper. Okay, good for them. Good for them. Yeah, they finished about Tottenham are in the conference league because they sorry. could only finish seventh last year. You know, I have a bit of respect for David Moyes apologies, here apologies. and his and his great achievements. Um, <laughs> it is the next one is first manager to leave, and I'm going to go with Sean Dyche pretty much for all the same reasons we talked about earlier with Burnley and the fact that one of the things that will really sink them is that I think Dyche could end up resigning, and then they don't have anyone to replace him with really. Yeah. So that just kind of doubles down how much I think they're going to go down this year. Yeah, like I can definitely see it happening. I think I might have thought something like that last season and it just never materialised, so I, I, I wouldn't go predicting it again this season for that reason. I went for Patrick Vieira, Crystal Palace, similar to the the just Palace are weird. We haven't talked much about them, but they're they're a weird case this year. Um, they have, I think, a good youth system there. They have some good players there, but they've shedded a lot of their experience this summer. Maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. I think Vieira has had... Uh, a mixed time as a manager so far I think he started well at Nice and it kind of descended into nonsense by the time like the fans wanted him gone by the end so I think this is a make or break move, move for, for Vieira as a top level manager and I don't know if the Palace are the right club for it to work out we'll see they're, they're going through a lot of change a lot of upheaval and I don't know if Vieira is the guy to take them through that we'll see I, I'd love to be wrong but um I think the the trigger happiness of the, of, of the Palace board in, in times gone by if we're thinking back to um uh, the Boer Frank De Boer getting sacked after what two or three matches like a crazy few number of matches in charge um, I think that could happen again in Fiera and they just go back to appointing the likes of Sean Dyke if he does become available or maybe that's what will make Sean Dyke available yeah um, it's going to be interesting I think to see how Palace do and, and how Fiera specifically does especially given the precedence of um, what happened with Frank De Boer? I do, I do think they'll maybe stick with him a little longer than that. I'll put it this way: I think Crystal Palace will score a goal before Patrick Vieira leaves uh, Crystal Palace, um, which is we couldn't say that about Frank De Boer, <laughs> which no. is quite a quite a feat, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you know we're looking at the league as a whole. Will there be over or under five and a half managerial changes in the league this season? I think they'll be over that. I definitely think there'll be more than, than five and a half changes this year because I think last season a lot of teams were given and managers were given benefit of the doubt due to COVID, due to the long slog of a season that was happening and I don't think that same luxury will be granted to, to teams this year and to managers this year. I think 
in a normal season, I think Mikel Arteta would have been sacked last season. I think Ancelotti would have been put under pressure. I definitely think Dyke would have been gone. Dyche would have been gone. I think Sheffield United probably would have changed the manager more than once last season. And, you know, that would have alone have added to the total. And I think those type of, of, of changes will definitely happen this season. I think they'll be under, um, you know, like we saw. I think we could see a continuation of that car- or a carryover of that from last year where... Like I'm looking at the the managers that could be under threat, and I think there's actually really good job security in the league right now. Like if the top four finish as we expect, I think all four of those managers will stay. Um, I don't think Tottenham will sack Nuno. Um, Marcelo mm. Bielsa will presumably stay on at Leeds. Uh. Dean Smith will stay at Aston Villa. Uh. You know, I don't think they'll collapse. Any of those um, players, even... any of those managers could go. <laughs> I would not. Uh... And no, all I, I, think I think they'll all be fine. I think Raf Hasenudel will be fine, despite uh, the fact that Southampton will struggle again. Uh, the board have stuck with him. He's a really who will they use line nil to this season? <laughs> That's the question. Th- that is another good question. But I, I think you know Hasenudel has maybe actually got one of the most difficult jobs in the league. And so the Southampton board realised this and know that they couldn't find someone better than him to do that job um, and that's kind of why there's really been no discussion over his future Graham Potter I think will be fine I think Daniel Farke will probably be fine um, I think what is it Thomas Frank is that his name at, at yeah. Brentford I think he'll be fine uh, that, no um, no I, I, these aren't man- these aren't clubs that, that have been sacking managers religiously I'm looking at you know Wolves have a new manager you know they, they parted ways at Nuno but that was very much mutual um, decision it seems like um, who else is a new manager uh, I suppose Tottenham is the new manager as well well yeah Watford have Cis- you know, your man Cisco but like uh, I- Wat- Watford are a club that I look at and I think you know if they don't start well they could sack him yeah he'll be gone in their history yeah. um, though they could also start well and that means he's fine um, you know I think generally speaking there's a lot there's a really go- good job security uh, in the league mostly because I, I don't see anyone else out there that, that these clubs can go for you know Eddie Howe is out there still you know the fact that no one picked him up last year means probably no one's going to pick him up this year I, I go back to Raven Benitez as well I think he'll probably be fine for the year unless something goes really badly um, and how often does that happen to Benitez um, yeah I think you know there could only be uh, maybe three managerial changes four mm. um, you know we're seeing clubs get into a relegation battle and stick with their manager like Scott Parker didn't get sacked last year um, who else was in a relegation like Steve Bruce is pretty safe at Newcastle because Ashley like Ashley just doesn't seem to care um, so I'm looking at it, looking at it and there's no there's there's no obvious ones out there like there's something you can go yeah maybe if things don't go well they'll be sacked but you know in, in years gone by there's been obvious ones where you know poor started that club and that guy's gone you know, I don't think that's that's the same story that we have um, these days. Yeah, like mm, I I applaud your optimism and your positivity and associated with the human race, but uh, I'm not sure if I share the your same. Your same I, I I don't I, I just don't think it's to do with optimism. I just think it makes more business sense to stick with the manager these days. There's more reasons to. We've seen uh, reap the reward rewards of Norwich. They suck with Daniel Farke, and he he's come back up. So like we got we, them relegated, but clubs. he brought them back up. He, he he got them relegated, but they knew going into that season that they would probably go back down anyway. So they they stuck with them. Yeah. Uh, and I remember when they came up that time, you were pretty convinced that they were going to sack him that year, and I was pretty convinced that they weren't. And you nope. know, look at where he is now. Yep. So um, I I think it could be a similar story there. That and the fact that I do think they have a better shot at staying up this year. 
Um, which maybe, you know, you could say puts him under more pressure to stay up and maybe puts his job on the line a bit more, but I, I don't think so. Um, okay, so answer me this I, question then. Do you believe that Eddie Howell will be in charge of West Ham before the end of the season? No. Oh, interesting. I, interesting. I, I think David Moyes sees it out. You know, West Ham don't really have reason to get rid of David Moyes at the moment. So unless they're... Unless they find themselves in a relegation battle come February, I think they stick with David Moyes through through the season, um, and I don't think they will see them. I don't think I think they'll be comfortably mid table this season, which for West Ham is fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then we have uh, the random prediction category. We just kind of pick 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 a thing that might happen. It doesn't have to be tied to anything or whatever. What is yours? Um. So this, as all ever, is uh, very difficult. But I kind of uh, considering the what we just said about managerial changes. Mine surrounded the the big six uh, managerial merry-go-round, and in that I, I I would include you know whoever finishes in the top six. So I was going to include Arsenal and Spurs and along with the top four, but I I think one of those managers will be sacked before the end of the year, and I definitely think by the end of the season there'll at least be one sacking from the top four. So one of Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, or Man United would have left their manager, and I think that's my just a random prediction. I think it'll happen. Um, I don't know which one it'll be yet, but I think I think it's it's due. And because I've said it in the last few years, this is something that's going to happen. I think finally, uh, the one of these managers will leave their clubs. Yeah, I've kind of gone with a, a similar theme, but I've said that the first sacking won't happen until December. I think it was nineteenth. Yeah, December nineteenth, which mm. is the I think it's the. F- last Monday before Christmas so I'm basically saying no one will be sacked until Christmas which I, I don't know I think in a, in yeah. a COVID times I think I think a lot of what you said was very correct uh, but I think I think we're getting back to a normal stage and by the time December happens at least in the business side of football I think they'll think they're back to normal and I think there'll be an open season for a lot of these managers before then yeah that one I'm less convinced on because I do think some random club like maybe even Arsenal or of course Watford are always good for it can mm. just pull the trigger um, yeah. you know by the end of September so you know if, even if it's the only sacking in a season it still happens really early yeah Um. so it, it's harder to kind of judge that than rather the overall picture of, of job security so um, you know I, I'm less convinced on that one yeah like um an, an interesting thing we haven't looked at yet and we'll probably look at it in the coming weeks um, more closely is the the starts of the season I know the fixture list went out back probably a month ago at this stage but there's going to be some tough games for a few clubs at the beginning of the season and I suppose that will set the scene for whether this will come through or not for the likes of Watford or you say Arsenal if, if they do go on a losing streak maybe there is no recovery for their manager by the time the end of September comes around and the, the international break um, in October happens it might be time to make a change and then uh, we're going to look at the kind of pr- points thresholds, so like the points needed to do X. Uh, we're going to start with the points needed to win the league. Um, you've gone with 85 and I've gone with 90, so we're both expecting high points total for a league winner this year. Uh, I think it'll be tight. Really, I'm, I'm coming from a position of I think it will be tight at the top. I don't think there'll be a runaway winner. I do think Man City will win it, but I don't think they're going to hit a 100-point season. Um, so as a result of that, I think there'll be there'll be teams in between um that'll that'll challenge up in second and third place will be quite high 
in in things uh, and even fourth will be quite high in, in matters i think that the, the eventual league champions will probably win it by six odd points but i could well see a second place team finishing with 84 points this season whether that's chelsea liverpool or man united yeah i think you know we could see an 89 points for second or 88 points for second and then the winner gets 91 92 and then a bit of a drop off to third and fourth getting 75 74 um you know it's it's hard to predict though because it's kind of gone up and down like obviously we saw the likes of man city and liverpool get to 98 99 that year and Mm. we've seen them both reach 90 points on three occasions in the last four years so you know if we see something like that again it could end up being you need 98 points to win the league Um, yeah i don't think it'll be quite quite that dominant i think i don't think we'll ever see no, I think there's strength yeah. and depth in the league this season. Um, mm. Not that it's un- unique to this year, but I think the given the way COVID has hit, given the way a lot of these teams have actually managed to keep a lot of their teams together for a few years, they've grown together. I'm looking at Leicester City, Leeds United, Aston Villa. Um, they, they, you know, there's not been massive upheaval and change at those clubs, which which gives them a, probably a better shout to do better this year than than maybe expected, as we've discussed earlier. And that that means that these top teams will win fewer matches against these these so-called weaker sides and which which makes me think that it'll it'll be a slightly less like they'll still win all these matches but it'll be slightly less than than the Liverpool Man City seasons where things were going a bit crazy yeah like when they were running away with it it felt like extremely unnatural anytime they didn't win a game yeah um to the point where then that following season where each club both had their off year it felt extremely weird Mm. like seeing liverpool lose at anfield last season was really odd um because we've gotten so used to them just destroying opponents every week uh home and away so um i I don't think we'll quite ever see that level of dominance between two teams again Mm. Um, you know, we might see one team run away with it again at 100 points at a canter, but I don't think we'll ever see a 98 and 99 um, points total finish from two teams in one year again. But, you know, we've seen both two teams get to the high 80s before. That's happened over the years. Uh, Tottenham got 86 points under Pochettino and came second. Mm. Um, Man United got 89 the year um, that they uh, lost the league on the final day to Aguero. Um, you know, we've we've seen it in the past a few times, so I think it could be that kind of level again. Um, and I do think it could be a very close title race, which is exciting. Um, but then I suppose the next one is the the top four threshold, and I think it'll be a bit lower this year. Yeah, I I'm I I by by virtue of thinking everything be close together, I went for seventy seven points again. So roughly fifth place will be in seventy six points, or fourth place will finish in 77 points whichever way you want to think about it um just because i think things will be quite tight in 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 regards to second third and fourth this season and as a result they won't have blown away the opposition right below them so the the teams will be thinking right up until the last three or four games of the season that they'll have a chance at reaching top four even if it is just an outside shot yeah like i think the gap between second and third could be about 10 points and Mm. then third and fourth be quite close but then I do think there'll probably be another 10 points to fifth. Like, I don't think we'll be going into the final... Like, last couple of seasons now, we've gone into the f- final day and fourth and fifth have been almost playing each other. Mm. Um, that's that's what happened uh, with Man United Leicester. And then uh, Leicester on the final day were playing seventh place Tottenham mm. and lost. Um, you know, they love doing that these they days. They do, they do. I, 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 I don't think... Like, I think we'll go into the final day comfortably knowing who the top four teams are. Um, which will require it being about an 8 to 10 point threshold between them so I think 70 points 
will probably be enough to get you top four this this year, which is still a high amount, but it's not the 75, 76 that we've seen in the last decade or so as well. No. Um, and then in terms of relegation, I think this could be quite a low threshold. Um, I think 34 points could almost be enough to keep you up uh, this year. Yeah, possibly, but and that's just virtue of you know teams being quite even at that and the bottom half of the table and taking points off each other all the time. So the the teams being in and around there, I think forty points is always called the magic mark. And I said they'll be up to about thirty nine would be seventeenth place. Um, what I thought would be Brighton maybe uh, to do that just because Brighton or Brighton they they'll they'll be safe and they'll lose the last five matches or something and, and drop right down to seventeenth. Um, I, I I think that's roughly where 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 seventeenth place will finish this season. You you could be right that it could be closer to thirty points uh, because everyone's beating everybody, and there could be up to five or six teams in the thirty to forty point range come the end of the season. Yeah, like it's funny we used to have say a top six and then a kind of another fourteen, mm. and at this point I think it's almost flipped, and there's six teams who are obviously worse than the other fourteen, and then the other fourteen are all varying levels of even like mm. Man City are better than West Ham but on their day West Ham can beat Man City yeah. whereas I don't see Newcastle beating Man City this year at all I don't see Southampton doing that or, or any know. of the promoted you never sides. know big seat proof yeah um, obviously it, you know because football is such a low scoring sport upsets do happen more frequently but you know going into a match you can kind of get a feeling of oh this team can nick a result and I think there's six teams there that I just don't have that feeling with at all going into going into the season. Mm. Yeah, I can I can I can understand where you're coming from there entirely. And our final uh, preseason prediction is our breakout star. Um, and I think we th- th- this, this is, is a tough. hard one to predict. <sighs> Very tough. It, it's a tough one because you know you you can't just say oh Jaden Sancho will be a breakout star because he already is a breakout star. He costs seventy three million. Yeah. You know we can't go with Jack Grealish. Um, or anything. Yeah. You know. Yeah, Jack Grealish. Like Jack Grealish has had his breakout moment. So you need to pick someone who's either from a promoted side or you know went for a modest fee to a new club or played a few minutes last year as a youth player and is expected to get more minutes this year so there's a smaller pool to choose from mm. um, and I think we've got two kind of quite interesting picks here yeah I, I've gone for Leon Bailey at Aston Villa from he's he's been just been signed by uh, Bayer, from Bayer Leverkusen I think he has been tipped for years well for the last few years to be a future star and somebody that can get a lot of goals if they're given the right you know ammunition to score um and i think you know while villa seem to be really reconstructing their attack in a different manner it could be very exciting to see if he, if they do manage to, to string it all together and i think he could be like not no offense to aston villa but it could definitely be a stepping stone for leon bailey to move on to, to other clubs after uh, if he has a good season this year yeah, I think he could be quite a smart signing, um, and I think that's a really solid pick. I've gone with I- Ivan Tony, as uh, a Brentford striker. Brentford in the last few years have kind of been able to, and this is their whole thing. They 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 buy at a very low price and sell at an extremely high price. But Ivan Tony has been kind of the, they've done it at striker, uh, in a really impressive way. Like Ollie Watkins, um, Neil Mope, all did extremely well for mm-hmm. them, and then went to a Premier League and did all right um, and I think Ivan Tony has been the most impressive of those players when playing for Bright- Brentford mm. rather Brightford almost Brightford. <laughs> made my own new club um, uh, Brentford uh, and I think that he is I think he's ready to step up to the Premier League you know we saw Patrick Bamford last year he scored 17 goals for Leeds um, you know he did have a bit of experience in the league but it wasn't great experience either he'd always no. been a bit of a, a joke player or a joke figure 
um, in his previous Premier League experience. So him coming up, uh, or Ivan Tony coming up, I think you know the the pathway is there for a Championship player yeah. to do quite well. And I'm not saying he's going to get 17 season, goals. Yeah, yeah I, I don't quite think he can get 17 goals, but I think you know if Brentford stay up, we'll be looking at Ivan Tony as like, wow, he was really <laughs> the reason they did it, or yeah. a huge reason why they did it, and it could be a, a, a like Bailey, a stepping stone to going to a, a bigger club in 12 months time yeah definitely I'd love to see it happen I I, I don't know about Brentford I, as I said I think it's a season too early maybe for them and I'm unsure if their if their model can operate correctly in the in the Premier League to achieve anything beyond staying in the league success uh, but I'd like to see it and I wonder whether uh, Tony would be the man to bring them there We believe in the history. Well, we've previewed the whole season. I suppose it's time to preview the first uh, couple of games coming up this season. And there's actually some pretty exciting ones. We've got Brentford first up against Arsenal. Uh, that's that's going to be some first game, I think, isn't it? Um. Yeah, like I, 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 I you, Arsenal still have their overall problems. I think with when it comes to trans creation and and really setting out what Mikel Arteta actually wants to achieve at, at Arsenal how he wants them to play I think he's had a, a season and a half to do that and I think we're none the wiser and I think this is a make or break obviously it's a make or break season for him uh, he's got a very hard few months after this Brentford match I think they're playing Chelsea they're playing Tottenham they're playing I think Manchester United they might be playing Man City in that time as well um, I think it's going to be tough for them and I tough for Arteta and so this is really already a must win match to, for them to really get off to it if they don't get that desired result I think it could be not that it's you know it's on the wall for Arteta to get sacked but I think it could be a long and hard season for Arsenal and yeah I, I, I'd be concerned um, from the Brentford point of view it's a team they're used to playing I think they always used to play each other in pre-season um, so they, they play each other every year so they know each other quite well they're n- not that they're not nearby but the, you know they're they're local enough to each other um so i i think it could be uh, as a sign uh, or an early you know a, a good first match for for brentford in the league it's not like they're going to have to go to a, an absolute cauldron and and be swamped i don't see that happening so i think it's so it could be a good opportunity for brentford really to take something in their opening game in the premier league yeah, and in the past we've seen teams come up like Bournemouth and Norwich in the, in previous years and in that first season pick up a, a an early scalp mm. against one of the bigger sides and normally it doesn't happen in the first game of the season but I think Brentford might want to fancy their chances in this one just because it's been a very awkward pre-season for Arsenal. You get the feeling they, they still have a lot of business to do in the transfer market and they're very slow about that whole process. Mm. Players, as, as we mentioned earlier, are coming back injured or are getting injured in pre-season fitness levels might not be up to scratch just yet as well you know this is also going to be Brentford's first game at at their new stadium with an actual crowd in a competitive fixture you know that could be a really kind of emotional moment for for the club um so you know that shouldn't be forgotten either as the first time up in what 50 60 years as well like that's a huge occasion and it's Arsenal the first game like that's that makes it even bigger yeah um, and the fact that it is a London derby as well adds to that so you know I think there is a potential for a scalp on a Friday night as well like this the atmosphere for this game could be just absolutely amazing uh, and I think you know of, of the games that you could have picked to start a season this is a pretty good one um so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it yeah like I think it'll be an exciting start and hopefully shake off some of those preseason cobwebs 
And there's two other really big games coming up to start the season. And the next game that follows on the Saturday afternoon is Man United Leeds. Yeah, uh, pretty pretty big game. <laughs> yeah, uh, both both teams no love lost between these two teams. No. It was six two the last time they met at Old Trafford. It was nil nil at Elm Road, of course. You should remember that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, May Night as well are having a bit of a weird pre-season in the fact that, like, Varane is still quarantining. Sancho's only joining um, the yeah, club the for training on England Monday. players are only coming back now. As you said, Rashford's out. Yeah. It'll be, uh, like, they do, yeah, Greenwood. They do still have the players. Yeah, they do still have good players. They should still have a pretty competitive starting eleven. Um, So I, I, I think they should be fine. And, like, I don't think it'll be... A massive excuse for Solskjaer if they lose this to be like oh well, we don't have all our players I'm sure it'll hinder them they won't be at their absolute best but they should still be competitive um, and, and fans back at Old Trafford you know that's- yeah fans back at Old Trafford for some of those players you know they've not really been used to playing at Old Trafford with fans like Bruno no. Fernandes only joined a couple of months before the pandemic started uh, Cavani's only played in front of fans once before although I think he's going to miss this game um, you know if Jadon Sancho makes it um, you know he's never done it before his debut will be in front of fans in a, in, in a weird empty half empty half full stadium mm. um, you know there's, there's question marks over Paul Pogba's future as well and you know he could play as well despite that so you know there's some weird things going on there yeah. as well Leeds might not be up to full fitness yet or they could be way more fitter than everyone we don't really know what's going to happen with, with Leeds this could be either the worst time to play them or the best time to play yeah. them yeah and it's it's interesting as well that you know it I don't think we'll see a 6-2 again. I think Bielsa will be a lot more cautious this time around and a lot less um, swashbuckling uh, than he was last season at Old Trafford. be interesting to see how the fans take to Leeds coming back. You know, this is an old rivalry and this is for a long time. Mm. So, you know, the, and it's the first time it's really back in front of fans. So I think it'll be a, a bubbling over atmosphere and really it is something I think Leeds can target uh, Manchester United. I don't think they're, as you said, they're not back to full fitness a lot of the players have had a curtailed preseason because of their their you know how long and how involved they were in the Euros right to the end. Um, so yeah, I think it it could be very interesting to see if Leeds can take advantage of that kind of say still coming back from holidays nature or the the rustiness having not played for three or four weeks of a lot of the Manchester United players who could be thrown right into the deep end. Yeah, we saw how poorly Man United started the season last year as well when they had a really disrupted preseason. So um, they'll be wary of starting poorly again mm. this season. It was a 3-1 loss to Crystal Palace on the opening day last year, which was a bit of a disastrous moment for Solskjaer and really put him under a lot of pressure. So he'll, he'll want to avoid that too. Um, and I'm sure he's learned some mistakes from 12 months ago. So maybe that'll be a factor as well in, in how they play. Um, and then finally... Spurs host Man City in a bit of an awkward one for uh, yeah. Nuno and Pep, given everything surrounding Harry Kane. Yeah, like I think this will be Nuno will be targeting this and looking to make Tottenham as solid as possible at the back. I think he'll he'll go into this with a hope that he can pull the old Wolves magic of kind of defending through their teeth and and pulling off a counter attack victory, which he did manage to do against Pep's Man City. So I think uh, Pep would be wise to be wary to that. Um, but really, like. With with the with the that's it the sword Damocles or whatever hanging over Harry Kane and his future, and whether he would go, whether it's decided by next week that that everyone knows what's going to happen. It seems, it seems funny and and kind of right, and there's some kind of uh, weird, weird fate to it that they're playing each other this week. I I cannot see beyond a Man City victory really in this, and uh, it'll I think be. Uh, something they'll, they'll a layout for the season ahead. They'll really set their cell out, especially after having lost the Community Shield. 
Yeah, like they, they didn't really put out much of a team against Leicester in that Community Shield game, so it's impossible to kind of read into what happened. Um, that and the fact that I didn't watch it makes it very hard to read into <laughs> it as well. So <laughs> it wasn't much of a, um, a match, really. It was fairly, it was fairly low key. It, de- it definitely for Community Shields of of, re- of the last twenty years, it definitely felt the most like a preseason friendly that I've seen. I think it did not well, feel I put right it, at all. I- I put it on in anticipation of there being penalties in the next five minutes and then I saw that they'd scored. <laughs> I was just a annoyed. Penalty. Yes. Yeah, by a penalty of all things. So I just turned it off again after that. Um, so, you know, Man City did start kind of slowly last year as well. I remember the last, um, what was a 5-1, 5-2 to Leicester City in, in the second or third game of the season. They, they started quite slowly. They started slowly in the past mm. um, with Pep and they, they'll have had players only just coming back as well. Um, oh, yeah. You know, Jack Grealish will have only had a week with the team, and, and a few players aren't quite back from from break, and they have a few injuries, and a few players are unhappy as well and want to leave. So yeah, you know, even without like maybe the absence of Kane will maybe clear Spurs's mind a little, and maybe that'll make them kind of just forget about the whole thing, or maybe they'll just be so angry at Man City that they'll take out their frustrations on them. Because I I do fancy Spurs to get a result in this game because as you said, Nuno has a bit of a history of nicking a result against Man City. Hmm. Um, Christian Romero is a really interesting signing. We didn't talk about him. I think he should be ready to play in this game and that'll be a, a big test for him in his first game. But he yeah. is good. Good centre-back. And he's a different kind of centre-back. Very so I'm different. excited to see how he does. He's five at the back, no um, doubt, in that match. So Presumably, yeah, they've been playing 4-3-3 in, in um, some of the preseason games. But, you know, to what extent is that just fitness to get, get players' minutes mm. kind of thing? So... Uh, this of course will be the the, the curtain unveiling of um, uh, Nuno's Tottenham, so it'll be it's a birth by fire, I suppose. Um, but I I think they can get a result. Like it's it's kind of an ideal time to play City, really. I think so. Um, in that aspect, I think they can get a draw, maybe nick a win if they if they play at their absolute best. Um, should be a good game though. Yeah, uh, it'll be. Yeah, I'll definitely watch it. Like I think uh, everyone else should as well. But we'll. We'll see. I think it'll be uh, City setting their stall for the season. Um, and I think, I think I don't expect Nuno. I know he'll be targeting it, but I don't think he'll he'll die if if they lose this match. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny as well. It was uh, the for opening game of his season last year as well. Wolves played Man City on that Monday night um, this time last year. So um, funny how that works out. Newcastle are playing West Ham as well, which is a repeat of, of last season as well on the opening day, which is it's funny how these things work out. Yeah, um, Newcastle win again, and it, I promise you. Yeah. Uh, what, what was it, 2-0 last time? Callum Wilson on his debut had a, had a yep. good game and Jeff Hendrick. Jeff Hendrick to score a hat-trick. Um, Absolutely. Uh, great, a, a great opening weekend for Irish players is, is what I envisage. Can't um, wait. But until then, um, it's, been a, it's been great having you here, Andrew. Hey, it's been great and thank you for inviting me, Jeff. It's, it's been real and we're going to keep it real here on the Total Football Podcast this season so until then we'll be back again next week thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode then don't forget you can tell family and friends about the show spread the word of the Total Football Takeover this show can also be found on podcast services including Spotify by searching Total Football Podcast you can also subscribe to my own Medium page in the show notes you can follow Andrew on Twitter at Conbon27, C-O-N-B-O-N, and myself at CheesyHeartPun, C-H-E-E-S-Y-H-I-R-T-E-P-U-N. Most of all, thank you for listening, and we hope to be in your download feed next week too. The more the merrier. That's what we always say. <laughs>